1: the best best broadcasters they're the best storytellers the one that can connect the ones that can connect with you about mm. life like all the professional journalism media undergirding that all has its it has, has its place but at the front of it we just want to connect with a listener and that one-on-one ability to communicate someone have them leaning into what you're saying and wanting to hear more is all about personal connection and storytelling
2: Welcome to Jane Jackson Careers,
1: a podcast
2: that takes your career to the next level. Here's your host, Jane Jackson,
0: author of Amazon Careers bestseller, Navigating Career Crossroads. Well, hello and welcome back to my careers podcast where I interview fascinating professionals who've made amazing career changes and are leaders in their field. Now, recently I was approached by 103.2 FM hope radios Laura Bennett and Duncan Robinson for an, an interview on workplace values. We had such a great conversation and I was so impressed by both Laura and Duncan's infectious energy and humor that I thought I must have them on the show because they've both had very interesting career journeys. So what's their radio show, Hope Breakfast, all about? From 6am, Hope 103.2 starts every weekday with a healthy breakfast filled with upbeat family fun and loads of useful news and information. Covering everything from world affairs to crazy radio competitions, this is the breakfast show that promises to bring a positive start to every workday. Now, Laura is a radio presenter, writer and film reviewer. She co-hosts Breakfast on Hope 103.2 in Sydney, 6am to 9am on weekdays. She has a master's in future journalism and self-published her best-selling book, Live Your Dream. Laura's writing can also be found on her blog, The Connect Press. And what about Duncan? Duncan is the co-host on Hope 103.2, and he's a pastor in Sydney, Australia, at Northgate. Previously, he spent five years planting in Phoenix, Arizona. We'll find out what that means. Married to Carly, they have two children. He has authored two books, One is the Unlikely Hero and Vanguard currently he lives on the northern beach of sydney and spends his spare time doing brazilian jiu-jitsu we'll find more about that as well now thank you so much for coming on the show laura and duncan and welcome
1: good morning Hi, hello hey. thank you for having us you can do our intros anytime yeah, I think that, we need you on the show that we, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> more regularly
0: no well I, I got so excited I got a bit tongue-tied both of you so there there we go but I'm really interested to find out about how you got to where you are today because I mean obviously you're absolutely all over the place I follow you on all your social media channels and you're having so much fun and it looks like you have reached a place where you love your career you love your job you you really enjoy working together and it's a lot of fun but let's go back to the early days so uh laura first of all how about you tell me about your career aspirations when you were a little girl i mean did you always have journalism in your blood
1: Well, I think the the space of entertainment, film, journalism, TV, that has always been something that's drawn me in. So from a very, very young age, I used to go so far as collecting the little stock photos out of photo frames that you'd buy at (laughs) at the photo store thinking, okay, I don't know how these girls get to be like models or involved in this kind of world, but I liked it and I I would collect sort of those. And then that – don't laugh at me, Duncan. This is my story, okay? (laughs)
2: Just just to be clear, Jane, once the – the order auto- what is it? the photos that are inside the frame. That's yes. what she wants to be. I
1: know, right? That was where it the began. Preloaded. Wow. And small. Okay. And then, and then I started to think. All right, what is the more legitimate version of this story? Because clearly, I had an inkling toward doing something like that. And modeling wasn't the thing for me. And I realized that it was more. I liked communication. I liked storytelling. I liked mm. being part of something that was happening in a, in a in a way that connected with individuals and and was able to kind of share my journey with other people. And even through high school was really where it kicked off for me. So I did drama, I did music, I did hospitality, I did a lot more of those traditionally thought of as creative subjects through school. And would often actually like tell my friends, looking back on it now, I think, man, I must have sounded a little bit arrogant because I was like, guys, pay attention to what I'm doing in drama right now because in years to come, I want to be in films and doing all this different stuff. And then that really drilled down to an interest in radio. And and Hope 103.2, the station that I now work for, it's existed for about 38 years. And so I grew up, my parents actually listened to the station. And on the way to school, I would sometimes listen to Hope and I would sometimes listen to The Alternative. And as you mentioned, Hope is a station that loves to do stuff that relates to family family-friendly values and really sits in that space. But for me as a young woman, I really felt, and as a teenager, it just didn't connect with me. That was the honesty of when I would listen. I thought, oh, I like your values, but the quality of journalism perhaps or the quality of entertainment just at that time wasn't engaging with me. And so I became very passionate about trying to do something that – fit with everything I love about communication, everything I love about film, but did it in a way with the family-friendly values, but also hopefully had a level of excellence excellence to it that represented our niche in the industry in a really effective way. So that's that's something I don't, I guess, consider myself to have totally achieved as yet, but it's very much the goal that I started out with.
0: Mm, and I think you're doing a, an amazing job as well, but really interesting. I'm, I'm glad that you moved on from the stock photos within the frames. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think that was a good thing. So I did, then ended up doing, like I went straight out of high school and did a couple of years. I did an acting course for a while and then like gave that a go and then thought, oh, I do like the acting thing, but it, it comes back to communication. So then I did a Bachelor of Media, had a couple of years off after that, just working by that stage, I was working at Hope and then returned to studies as well to get a bit more of a challenge in the mix.
0: Mm, and I think that. That's, that's why it's such a fun and really lively and entertaining show as well in the mornings. Now, what about you, Duncan? How did you get started?
2: I, I think when you look at Laura and I, we are complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Is that I think she's had a very focused and directed career towards radio, whereas I fell almost out of a tree by accident into it um i i have a degree in computing science i spent a number of years in it i worked for a uh, uh, sydney sunrise celebrity david kosh and for his company as an it director for a number of years but prior to that i think the challenge was is that i was pushed into that career a little bit uh from my parents my parents were like we want earn money, we want you to have a good job that pays a steady salary and computing is where it's at and so we don't want you involved in drama and artistic affairs and so we want you to go down that path Um, because I was very passionate about acting, probably more stand-up comedy stuff than acting and um, my my parents kind of encouraged me out of that and so I kind of became a, a closet fan of all that and went into IT. Um, I had a – about after doing IT for about three years, I um, kind of got to a place where I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I I really don't enjoy it and you just can't pay me enough to solve people's computer problems. Um, And I was becoming the surly IT guy. Do you know when you like have to reluctantly call IT because (laughs) you know (laughs) –
1: that day? Oh,
2: almost. And, you know, like I would begrudgingly come out of the office to solve issues. And I was like, I just don't want to be this person. Um, and so at that stage, got made redundant, thought, oh, it's a good opportunity to try something new. When interviewed to be a sporting scout for a basketball team in the USA, um, as a result of that, um, served um, in youth ministry for a church and fell in love with basically being a pastor. So then proceeded to spend the next 10 12 years um, developing pastoral ministry skills eventually that led me back to America and back to Arizona um, where I plant uh, helped to plant a church uh, which is where kind of planting came from as a ah. as a yeah um, so yeah started up a brand new church in Maricopa, Arizona which was at the stage a giant ranch owned by John Wayne so everything <laughs> was John Wayne themed uh, did that for five years, came back to plant a church in uh, Australia. Didn't happen. Um, and at 35, was kind of scratching my head after a failure in church planning. going, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Um, and that led to an opportunity coming up on Hope, and I applied. Um, almost kind of funnily, because I was like, "Then, then, like, I've got zero background in this. I don't know how this is going to happen." And then we kept on walking the journey and got closer and closer, and got down to the final two. And I remember speaking to my wife, going, "I think this is going to happen." Like I, I actually think I might actually get this job. And so we we kind of prepared ourselves as a family to for daddy to move into Breakfast Radio. So yeah, so I kind of fell into it going, okay, I'm here now. I better learn how to do this well.
0: Well, Duncan, it sounds like you fell into a lot of things. Actually. It's a, What an <laughs> yeah. a, a interesting journey. Now, this really is fascinating to me because the two of you together on the show work so well together, and yet you come from such different backgrounds and aspirations when it comes to careers. I'd like to ask both of you, it's interesting, something that you brought up, Duncan, was that you know your parents um, wanted you to be in something steady. And obviously, this is all parents want, you know, their children to be in something steady. Um, And how big an influence do both of you reckon that parents and others um, advice and opinions uh, play in your career choices?
1: Mm, I think it's they have quite a huge role and I think that probably depends on what kind of level of relationship with you, you have with your parents or maybe it's the closest friends in your life because it's going to be the people who you listen to the most and you spend the most time with, I think, that really feed in the most into the the choices that you make of course the the critics and those that sit a little bit more further out in the peripheries of your friendship circle their voice obviously influences but I think you can deflect that in ways that the true people who are speaking into your life daily their voice is going to be much more louder and much more present so in my case for instance both my parents both of them really did encourage us to try different things and when we got to the point in high school where we could choose electives and really go our own way they gave their opinion and they would suggest what they thought was a good combination of subjects but they didn't force or prescribe which ones we chose because particularly for my dad his experience growing up was one where he similarly wanted to do um, have a career more entertainment based that's his very he's very natural in that space but then his career advisor at the time said I just don't think you're going to be able to do do that redirected him and he's had a successful career in other stuff but there's always that inkling of oh what if I hadn't listened to that career advisor and gone down you know, the path I had really wanted to choose. And yes, there's generational differences there. But I think because of that experience, particularly for him, we were raised in a way that said, try what you want. Here's our recommendations. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to live with the consequences of your choices. And I know for me personally as well, I like I do, I do have a confidence in my ability to do things, but I also have quite a, a cautious nature sometimes too. So if someone else can see what's in you and just give you that little push, that little extra burst, I think it's going to help you make the decisions you know you want to do but you might not have the confidence to to do at the get-go. So I really give a lot of what I've done uh, credit. I give credit, I guess, to friends and family and for me personally as well, my church community because it's such an encouraging backbone of friendship that really tries
0: to push you further. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What about you, Duncan? Um,
2: I think uh, the real world and people seem to be the worst critics. Um, So in the sense that someone says, well, in the real world, that won't happen. You know, like the real world just sounds like a really dark, scary, aggressive, uh, nasty, critical place. Or, you know, people won't want that. People won't do that. But I find I prefer, much prefer to listen to a person that has a name. So, I think the moment someone says people or the real world, I tune out because I know what that person is about to say and I don't necessarily push in on that. But I will listen to people who are close to me and people who have permission to speak with accountability and wisdom into my life. Um, I think one of the challenges for my parents was that they came from apple farmers in Anna Bay, which is kind of north of Newcastle, if you know the area. And so they really came out of a struggling, difficult blue-collar family and scrapped their way to kind of white-collar. And so I think they had grave concerns that they didn't – and I think this is the case for every family member. They just don't want you to have to experience that. Mm. Um And so I think when they saw me really thrive at drama and design and technology and artistic endeavors, they were like, you just can't be there because, you you know, have it as a hobby, but don't have it as a passion or or, or a drive because people out there won't love that. And I was like, that's great, but I just don't think that's, like, like if you love it, whatever you're going to do, you're going to have to struggle at it and you, mm-hmm. you just have to be prepared for criticism and stuff like that. And what I love about the relationship I have here with Laura is that like I do feel like it's a bit like a zoo. Like, you know, like Laura is the <laughs> – t-
1: I'm the monkey, the lion, no, is no, that no, the combo? No,
2: I think it's like Laura's like a zookeeper. She's the trained, qualified, experienced <laughs> individual who understands that she's got to create an environment that people are going to enjoy to be a part of. And I'm like a rhinoceros, like I'm angry, but
1: if, <laughs> if the
2: good and she knows that she's made the right environment, everyone's going to have a really great
1: time. Mm. And I'd actually just like to add on, add something onto this just really quick for us as well. I remember a couple of years ago, this is actually something mentioned in um, my book that you mentioned, but that idea of labels, because mm. I had a moment where I re- I'd, I hadn't seen some school friends for ages mm. and I went back and was just hanging out with them at a party and they, the things that they sort of called me or the stories that they tell, the labels that they gave me, They were ones from who I was, not really who I am now. Mm. And I realized what an influence the labels that we make for each other really have on us. And then I had this epiphany where I thought, wait a minute, if you can all make labels for me, then surely I can make my own labels. And I started to call myself things that I thought were more in line with where I wanted to see myself go or what I wanted to do. And I'm like, no, these are the labels I'm going to actually allow to stick and allow to define what I do and not necessarily those created by other people around me, which I felt was really helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. And and now working with Duncan, you're the zookeeper and he's the rhino. I mean... (laughs) Uh
1: So I get to label him as my like, little animal that I need to deal with, and I haven't actually given my name, uh, myself a name yet for that, but zookeeper sounds all right.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you know, to, to both of your points, it's so true. It's very important to pay attention to those who know you and love you and act in their best interests for you. But sometimes, you, you know, we all act in our own best interests, and, and everyone mm-hmm. who provides advice, they see the world through their own filters, which might not be the same filter as you. And sometimes sometimes because of, you know, some advice, it takes you a little bit longer to get to where you're meant to be. I believe we all eventually get to where we're meant to be. I didn't get there until I was 40. It took me so long, but I had an interesting journey, you know, on the way. But um, certainly your career paths have been fascinating. So now I want to find out, Laura, this book sounds so good. Live Your Dream. What's all that about?
1: Yeah, well, this was a project that I started in 2015 and it was actually, I've, it's, A funny way to put it maybe but I've always sort of known that I would write things and people would read them and I hope that doesn't sound too arrogant but it was just one of those things where I felt like writing is something that I feel is on my life, something I'd love to be able to express and I came across this writing uh, online course which I was actually able to incorporate in my master's so I was very thankful for that because I could give time to a passion project and then also uh, fit it in but I really wanted to communicate this idea of how how do we, particularly for a younger demographic because i I'm 29. I've come through a season where I've, I've done the high school thing, done the uni thing, had a couple of years off in Gap Year and moved into I guess what you could call my first professional career of sorts after working at cinemas and pizza shops and shoe stores, etc. And that, that season of life where you're first trying to give it a go, there's so many things that you are, are questioning. There's lots of different voices in your head. There's lots of different ideas you've got. You've got people asking you what you want to be when you grow up and you're like, I don't know. I don't even know if I am growing up, etc. And I just wanted to clear... See the clutter and write down some of the things that really help you to focus in on the thing that you believe is your purpose or calling, if you want to put that language around it, to shut out everything else and to truly live your dream. And so it's written from, it's divided into about four different sections and each of them deal with things like your purpose or uh, your your sort of actions, etc. and finances play a part in that as well. And I just collected a series of stories from my own personal experience that really helped me to clear out everything that can overwhelm us, particularly in that season of life, but hopefully things that can redirect us i guess and and be a real encouragement to anyone that reads it as
0: well Mm, how fantastic Mm, fantastic. and also to be a 29 year old and a published author amazing and it it actually live your dream it's something that i'm very very passionate about too um duncan what about you you're a multiple author unlikely hero and vanguard what are these two books about
2: Um, Yeah, listen, I think the difference that you'll find is that I am a comedy of errors versus Laura's very (laughs) uh, methodical (laughs) approach to stuff. I I remember being at school and having an English teacher say that you'll never be a good writer. You're not very good at essay writing. You're not very good at that. And I actually work really well when someone doesn't think I can do stuff. For some reason, I hulk up and really go for it. (laughs) Um, I felt like I could write and uh, kind of had a blog for a number of years and wrote about uh, 500,000 words on the blog which then led to Unlikely Hero. And here's, here's the funny thing about Unlikely Hero is that that book is actually the same title as a gay romance novel that came out the very <laughs> same time <laughs> They are extraordinarily different uh, genres of book. Um, The idea behind it is that um, God in the Bible uses unlikely people in extraordinary ways. And my premise is, is that we enjoy that in movies, but God has not stopped using unlikely people in extraordinary ways. And that he's probably orchestrating that in your life if you can find a position of humility to allow him to do that.
0: Wow, that sounds really inspirational. And I think something that when people are, are questioning themselves and what to do and what's their purpose in this world, that could be the right book to read. What about Vanguard? Well, yeah, Vanguard. Is that very uh, different? Uh yeah. So Vanguard Vanguard
2: came from a kind of place where I was thinking about the nature by which we share the good news of Jesus, which is you know, the the concept is is that um if we understand that the good news of God is moving forward, um then we are more likely to be proactive and positive in sharing it, is that I think the church has often occupied a space where they want to be very defensive about the stuff that they dislike. Um, and very cautious about the things that they want to engage in. And my premise is the idea that, no, the, the whole purpose of the good news of Jesus is a celebration of love in the world, and we should be proactive about sharing that. And therefore, uh, in the older sense of the word, vanguard, we should be on the front lines of sharing this in a way that is creative, um, we're willing and ready to engage in obscure and unusual environments, even when we don't have all the facts in play, we're still willing to give it a go. So it should be a place where we see... Christians, especially, be very creative, proactive, positive, artistic, and be those culture creators. That's that's kind of the premise for it. Um, it was meant to be a part of a three book series, which um, my publisher wants two more, but I'm trying to convince him I'm going to write a different book.
1: Don't you want to do like a dad comedy book?
2: Yeah. So the next, the one that I'm actually writing now is called Oh Snap! I'm a Dad, <laughs> um, a short guide, all thriller, no filler for dads on how to be a dad. So.
0: I like that idea as well. You know yep. what I'd like to do is, um, in my show notes on janejacksoncoach.com for this this podcast episode, I'll put the links to these three books so that listeners can, can go and purchase them. Okay. Oh, thank uh, you very much. I wish, because I think that would be great. They, they All three of them sound really interesting. And oh, what, what was the title? Oh, snap, I'm a dad?
2: It's not. It, listen, it's still been written. <laughs> I, in progress. I, I, I pitched it to the publisher. They were like, oh, yeah, write that. And I was like, oh, no, I've got to write it. So. <laughs>
0: OK, well, OK, working title. Oh, snap, I'm a dad. But that sounds really interesting because I'm sure a lot of new dads would need some help. Now, on to your broadcasting Profession now, um, obviously it's such an interesting thing being on the airwaves regularly and entertaining and educating your listeners. If someone wanted to get into broadcast journalism, what would your advice be?
1: Well, I think you've heard between the two of us that there is just right here two very different ways mm. um, to step into the industry. But I think there's, and that's the thing with entertainment, the entertainment industry. There is just so many alternatives. But at the root of it, I think it's knowing uh, kind of what you want to, what you want to achieve out of it. Is it, is it communication that's your passion? Is it being the one on the mic? in front of the audience and it really does just take some experimentation because I think once you step into a radio studio and you realize what happens behind the curtain in terms of how the production aspects works, how the announcer-presenter side of things works and then even from a sales perspective and a managerial perspective, there are so many different roles that will see you be able to write on your international travels. I My professional occupation is radio but what that looks like can be so many different things. So experiment and I think also just be proactive in getting yourself the the education or the experience that you need now it doesn't have to be a formal degree but I realised a while ago that there were so many people with the dream but they don't necessarily have that foundation to get themselves ready for it because if, when you're stepping into the interview and Duncan's case aside okay because we know that the Duncan's just got great initiative and and personality and everything that fits that that side of the requirements for the role but there's also a need to go hey if this is my dream what do I need to do to make me the best candidate to be chosen for it because a lot of the time and when you do look at films etc you see this person who just had a dream and then somehow someone spotted them and pulled them up into the limelight but so often in life it doesn't look like that it looks like you choosing a path you want to pursue get yourself geared up for it and then position yourself in the right places to be chosen and I and and for me, that's worked in some respects, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of hard work.
0: Mm. I think, Laura, for you, you know, having this passion right from when you were very young and then getting the qualifications that naturally would actually lead you in this direction and, you know, the acting and the drama and the communications <laughs> being such a passion, it makes a lot of sense. But with Duncan with with you know stand up comedy and and a sporting scout and start, starting the youth ministry and planting the churches in in the US and in Australia it's an unusual very eclectic path what do you think duncan were the key qualities that make you successful as a broadcast journalist
2: well i think um it's that uh Authenticity and openness to my life. I, I feel like that all those moments of work and figuring out what I'm trying to be and where I'm trying to go. Is a good is a good thing to experience but it's a bad thing if it kind of paralyzes you to the place where you go i, I don't know what i should do whereas my attitude has always been i don't know what i'm going to do but i'm just going to keep moving forward and as opportunities present themselves i'll evaluate them and then walk towards them you know if a doorway closes that's okay if if i'm moving forward and if i'm learning through the process then i feel like at least i'm moving in some direction you know it may not be the right one but we're going to grow through that when it came to the radio gig i think my biggest thing was i i want to be a emotionally connected dad who is honest and open about not just the struggles but also the celebrations and successes in life because i don't know and i'm still yet to meet a parent who honestly if they can open their heart says i've got it all together i feel like i'm doing a great job with my kids and we're, we're just kicking goals left right and center so i think Learning to do that meant that I had to really experience failure and then get to that place where at 35 I was like, you know, I've got to hit professional reset. And having a buddy come alongside of you and go, mate, you are 35, you still have a huge career ahead of you, shut up. Get on with it. <laughs> pick yourself up and get back in the game. And go, oh yeah, you know that makes a good point.
1: And also, let's be real about this. The best best broadcasters, they're the best storytellers. The one that can connect, the ones that can connect with you about mm. life, like all the professional journalism media undergirding. That all has its as it has its place but at the front of it we just want to connect with a listener and that one-on-one ability to communicate someone have them leaning into what you're saying and Mm. wanting to hear more is all about personal connection and storytelling so that's got to be the skill set at the front of it and and hey jane you you came on the show with duncan and i a few months into the project and it or our show Mm. and if we're honest like the early days you gotta it's it's a struggle and a balancing act and we've got to refine the way we do things so by all you know by no definition uh, is it perfect when you first start what you're doing, but you can always kind of improve and then find yourself in a position where it starts to sound a little bit more like a real radio show. (laughs)
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. You know, storytelling, you're absolutely right. Everybody loves stories, and everybody loves people who are authentic and are a little bit vulnerable with what they share as well because we've all got our own self-limiting beliefs and hopes and fears and dreams, and if if your listeners can relate to you, it makes such a difference. And you know, this is why I love interviewing people who've made amazing career changes because sometimes we feel a little bit stuck. And we think, Oh for goodness sake, what am I doing? Am I too old? You know, I'm I'm twenty nine now or I'm thirty five now. Can I make a change? And you know what? I mean I I, I made my big change into becoming a coach at the age of 40. And I thought, oh, am I getting towards the end of my career? But now, 17 years later, so I don't want to tell you exactly how old I am, but you can figure it out. I still think I've got another 20, 30 years in me where I'm doing what I really love. And I think as long as I can still talk, I can continue coaching and podcasting and doing all of these things. And it makes life so much fun fun and exciting and also being able to help others i think that's that's the key knowing that you're somehow connecting to the community what do you think about think about that
2: Jane, you know, like when you say people say you're too old or too young, I I don't think I've ever met a single human being who, when they're going for something that there's dream professionally, whatever it might be, has ever said, you're just right. I mean, they intrinsically say it when you get the job, but more than likely people and the real world are saying you're too old or you're too young for this position. And I think if you're passionate about it, pursue it with all your heart and, and the reality is, is that, you know, like I thought to myself, maybe I'm too old to transition into radio, but then you diligently and passionately pursue learning the craft with all your All your might, you know, like I'm listening to podcasts outside of stuff. I'm reading transcripts on how to do it well. I'm doing online learning courses because I really want to perfect the craft. And I just tune out that voice that says too old, too young and just go for it.
1: And I think as well, the age thing is so... I, I Like it's the cliche uh, fallback, I guess, for when you're not necessarily comfortable with what you're doing. Like there are legitimate, real challenges. If you're considered perhaps, you know, a, a woman or a man in your 40s, you've got family, you're established in one thing. Of course, there's going to be a lot more risk, I guess, to uprooting and making a change. But then even from the younger end of the spectrum too, there's this space where you've gone, okay, I've done this handful of things. What if I make a change? Is that going to somehow undo or is that going to be a worthwhile redirection? So it's, I I don't feel like age isn't the thing that really determines it. It's more whatever stage of life you're at, there's always going to be risk to change or challenges with change. But like Duncan said, you've just got to choose whether it's, if you're going down the path of passion and what you believe is your purpose, then you're going to find a way to do it anyway because the alternative is that you wallow and become bitter about choices you didn't make and rather make life an unexpected adventure than one that is very predictable and kind of boring and and one with regret i guess yeah,
0: yeah you know you know what i always like to say to my clients if they're not quite sure whether they should make a change or take that risk or whatever it might be i always say to them project yourself 10 years into the future what would your 10 year older self be telling you now if you did this Or if you didn't do this and then then so easily it becomes clear to them as to, you know what, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it or I'll really kick myself, you know, and think, oh, I should have taken that risk or I could have or was it worth it or not? And it makes it that much easier to be able to make your decisions, too. And I think that with both of you coming from where you've come from, you've you've realized so obviously that you're living your passion now and and you you keep learning and growing and even for me I keep learning every single day there's so much to learn and I think as long as we never stop learning we never really grow old do we?
1: Yeah, and I think we have to remember as well. You don't have to be perfect when you first do something, because I, I think we each hold ourselves to quite a high standard compared to what other people can hold ourselves to. And for instance, if you know, if you wanted to be perfect the first day you got on air on on breakfast radio or the first time you opened your mouth to a microphone podcasting, you just wouldn't you wouldn't ever do it. It doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect when you first take the leap. And there's a great saying I don't know who it comes from, but it's that idea of done is better than perfect. Because if you always have this to do list and you never ever tick it anything off because you're like it's got to be perfect you're just not going to get there and i think you'll find i mean duncan's a case in point for this too there was there's you've got to be able to recognize in yourself and in other people the potential and the capacity and be okay with giving yourself a chance and other people a chance to do it because people grow in to the level of responsibility or role that you give them so if you never extend yourself you're never going to grow and that applies for people stepping out on their own and people that are doing the employing as well
0: very inspirational. Very Hope 103.2, Laura and Duncan, The Breakfast Show. Fantastic. You know, you've given us so many nuggets of, of value today with regard to careers and getting into broadcast journalism and your fascinating careers journeys. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Are there any parting words you would both like to leave us with?
2: Oh, the one that I wanted to leave, probably it's going to sound a bit like a downer, but it's going to be possible. <laughs> All <laughs> like,
0: right. Thank just you, Duncan. What is
2: it?
1: <laughs> music underneath yeah. this one. Okay.
2: So, so I, I just think of that moment that like, um, I found myself at home with a, with a, a job and a business that had just failed. My dad was slowly passing away from cancer. We had no money in the bank account and I was sitting on the couch thinking like I was honestly thinking to myself, I failed professionally. What am I about to fail as a dad, fail as a husband? And I felt like the whole world was caving in. And, and the reality is every single one of us at some point in our life is going to be dealt a dud hand. Um, and it's, It's a matter of what you're going to do with that. And I felt like it took some serious, scared, part of me to disappear when I met failure for the first time and realize he's not particularly scary when you come face to face with him but the, the first moment that you open the door and see failure completely you go oh he's just a little kid just making a lot of noise and that gives you the strength and the confidence to hulk up and do what you feel like you're called to do but sometimes that means meeting failure for the first time and realizing it's not all that scary
0: mm.
1: yeah. I think I would say to finish when you're a person who is a big dreamer, as a lot of the people listening to your podcast know, are, we dream grand, we dream huge, we dream like 10-year down-the-track vision, but when something goes wrong and it suddenly seems like, oh, that whole thing's just fallen apart, I had this happen recently where I went, wait a second, come back to what's in your hand. What is in your hand right now that relates to the big dream? So say, for instance, you do want to be an A-list film actor, okay? Come back to right now in your hand. What have you got? You might have 30 bucks where you can go to a one-off off like public speaking communication training course. You could go and do an online seminar in a TV presenting, etc. Look at what's in your hand that is little, might seem little, but relates to that big picture. And as you do each of those things, I think you, you, your perspective actually opens up to see, wow, there's actually so much more I can do right here, right now that I've got that relates to that big picture. And it really takes the pressure off because particularly in the modern age with the internet and all that's available to us. You're never, you're never without resource, I think, to take the first step to actually achieve the big dream.
0: Laura and Duncan, you are both so inspirational. Actually, I feel on such a high now, having spoken to both, both of you. <laughs> this is wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. And you know what? I'd love to have you both back on in maybe about six months' time and talk about all the adventures you've had with regard to, you know, progressing in your careers and also that book, Duncan, Oh, snap, I'm a dad, or whatever you're going to <laughs> you, end up calling bit, it. Bit, bit now, uh, Duncan.
2: the pressure on me now, Jane. Okay.
0: <laughs> thank you for having
1: us. We'd, we'd love to come back any time. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and free 30 day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Jane Jackson Careers. There are over 180,000 book titles to choose, so give it a go and get your free audiobook today from audibletrial.com forward slash Jane Jackson Careers.
2: You've been listening to Jane Jackson Careers. Sign up to receive regular career advice at janejacksoncoach.com.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of your career podcast, I invite you to check out my career success program at.